Good morning, Firewheel. My name is Leah, and I'm the children's pastor. I'm so ex <laughs> Thank you. And the cheers in the back of the room. Y'all are awesome. I am here to welcome you to Firewheel, and I'm going to pray for us this morning, and then we're going to worship. I hear we have a song, and I'm very excited about that. Okay, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we get to come together and worship you today, Father. Um, we are thankful that we get to gather as a family, that we get to hear Chris this morning and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Hands and feet. I wanna live a life that leads. 
set your captives free until the whole world hears and I pray that they will see more of you and less of me but I want my life to be the song you sing until the whole world hears Lord we are calling out lifting up your name for all to hear the sound like voices in the wilderness we're crying as the day draws near, we'll sing until the whole world hears. Whoa. church Goes through the night, the 
when this life has overwhelmed me and I feel like giving up I will cling to all you promised it'll always be Yeah. Hey. 
a lot of things happening around here. February 18th will be a Mommy and Me play date in the gym at 10.30 a.m. Moms, come sip some hot coffee and chat while the kids play. We will be having baptisms on Sunday, February 21st during the 11 a.m. service. If you are interested in being baptized, one of our guest service volunteers can provide you with a form or you can click on the faith and baptism graphic on the front page of the website and fill out the form there and Pastor Chris will follow up with you. If you have a younger elementary student, ages six to eight, we will be having a Bible presentation during the service Sunday, February 28th. If you would like to participate, contact Leah at firewheelfellowship.com. Virtual attenders can participate as well. Simply send us a picture to show that Sunday morning and Miss Leah will deliver a Bible to your house. Want to dig deeper and continue your study of what Pastor Chris talks about on Sunday mornings? Pick up a sermon buddy or print one online and use it to take notes. You can further your personal study or go through the questions with a group or even in your family. We also have resources for kids in our big church bags and online at firewheelfellowship.com slash children's church. Content for kids and adults changes weekly, so make sure to check it out. For more information on anything Firewheel, ask one of our guest services volunteers or go online to firewheelfellowship.com. Or you can always check us out on social media. All right, well, good morning. Can we put our hands together for the worship team? Keep those hands going. Thank you to all the volunteers. All the worship volunteers here in the auditorium, thank you for graphics and sound. Thank you to all our teachers. Come on, keep the hands together. Thank you to all our guest services, security team, people who volunteer all week long, and thank you for you being here, even on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, who y'all cheering for? Who cares? You know, you say Chiefs. Okay, just out of curiosity. How many are you cheering for the Chiefs just so Tom Brady doesn't win another Super Bowl? <laughs> oh, I can't help but agree. So um, a, a couple of, of housekeeping items. We talked last week about our giving, and that is a part of our worship, and we are owning this church, our ministry. This is our church, so we own it together. And one of those ways we own this ministry is, is we, we steward it, and, and we, we join our resources together. And I wanted to just show you where, where we were at. Last week, we talked about uh, where we are at in our giving, and look what you all did last week. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, we can clap on that. That's wonderful. We talked about giving, and we all came together, and we gave our resources. I just want to encourage you to, to continue uh, that generous spirit. Okay, again, uh, this next week uh, is Love Sunday. So if you have anybody in your life right now, and if you're at home, you have somebody in your life right now, and you're like, I know they need a little more love in their life. They need some love right now. 
This next Sunday is, is the Sunday for them. It is just going to be a radical love Sunday. We're just going to lavish love. The love of our Father in heaven is just going to be thick in here, like from, from the floor all the way to the ceiling. We're just going to swim around in love. That sound all right? Sounds pretty sweet, don't it? And then that following Sunday is going to be Baptism Sunday. You heard that information in the announcement video. If you have never been baptized and you're ready to get in the boat with Jesus, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to follow Christ and believer's baptism. Get one of those forms, sign up, and I'll follow up with you this week. It's going to be wonderful on 21st. Okay, let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. Word. We are uh, picking up uh, in the series that we have been in, Getting in the Boat with Jesus. Been very pleased with the conversations I've been having with folks as it relates to this series. I want to give us just kind of a recap of where we are at at this moment. Y'all remember that, that Jesus gets into our boat, okay? So, like, imagine this is our life, and it's kind of dingy and all that, and, and he gets into our life. And by the way, he's not surprised by what he finds when he gets there. He doesn't ask us to clean up the joint before he moves in. Okay, he's not surprised. He's not like, oh, I can't believe that's there. And, and here's, the, here's the truth of the spiritual life. It begins right where we are at. Right where we are at right now. It doesn't begin where we're supposed to be. We often have this idea that the spiritual life begins when I, when I get my spiritual stuff together. No, we don't have our spiritual stuff together. And so we more and more live a dependent life and more and more, Jesus brings about his life in and through us. And it is in those moments when Jesus enters into our life where we hear him call us by name. And he knows what he's doing when he calls us by name. He's got a plan for us. Now, I don't know if that's been your experience, but that certainly was my experience. I heard the Lord call me by name. And there was this moment in my life where it was like a turning point. There was this crossroads. There was this, this opportunity, it felt like, to continue living life the way I was. And it was like, yuck. Or I could start following Jesus. And I didn't know what that meant. He didn't give me like a, I didn't receive like a detailed itinerary of what that meant. But at the time, it didn't seem like a, a real challenging uh, decision, you know? It was like he called, and there was a simplicity to that, so I just followed. And we see that in the life of the early disciples, that when Jesus called Peter, Andrew, James, and John to follow him, we see this in Luke 5, verse 11, the scripture was to record that they left what? Everything. And they followed him. They left it all. They left the nets and the boats and their plans and their goals. They left behind everything that they knew to then follow Jesus. That's essentially what it means to get in the boat. Same thing happened with Matthew, the tax collector. Jesus called him by name, and the scriptures tell us in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, and leaving what? Everything. The tax business, the prime location at Capernaum. He left behind everything that he knew. 
And I love the story of Matthew because then he called up all of his tax collector buddies, all of like, kind of like the, 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 I don't know, I want to say the scum of society, but the least respected of society, a bunch of sinners. He fills his house with a bunch of sinners, and Jesus is like totally comfortable in, in the midst of them. And, and all of a sudden, the religious look in, and they're like, oh my gosh, do you know who you eat, you're eating with? And Jesus is like, yes, these are my people. This is why I have come. Matthew's so overwhelmed by what Jesus had done in his life, calling him that he wanted everybody he knew to know Jesus too. And then last week we asked the question, is it safe? Is following Jesus safe? And it's like, well, sure it's safe, right? Like riding a roller coaster is safe. We're probably not going to fly out mid-ride, but it's going to be a wild ride. And it's safe, kind of like, I don't know, skydiving is safe, like jumping out of an airplane with an oversized trash bag on our backs, right? Like we're probably going to make it to the ground, but we're going to have to jump. There is a faith component where we don't have all of the answers. We don't know what it means, but we jump. And yes, following Jesus is safe, like getting in the boat. And in the middle of the sea of this life, a storm hits. And we're scared and we're fearful and we're going to die. And in those moments, we come to know just a little bit more of who Jesus is and our faith is grown. Well, this morning we are going to ask now the next question, and it is a very simple question. Uh, Last week, is it safe? This week we are asking the question, is it costly? Is following Jesus costly? The simple answer is no. It just costs us everything. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23. Turn there in your Bibles. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And we're going to read through verse 27. And he said to all. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said to all. If anyone would come after me, let him or her deny himself or herself and take up his or her cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit himself or herself or the soul? What will it profit to gain the world but to lose the very life you cling to? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing or maybe even sitting here this morning who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Yo. We're going to try something new this morning. I'm going to ask that we stand together right now. And we're going to put our hands out. And we're going to close our eyes and we're going to pray. Lord, this morning, we present to you this message. Lord, I testify in my hands, it is nothing but some crusty bread and a couple fish. 
But in your hands, blessed and broken, it provides for each one in our spiritual life so we'll leave satisfied. So our hands are open. What is it, Lord Jesus, that you desire for us to leave here this morning with? Just like our hands are open, our hearts are open and ready to receive. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you for joining me in that. There are times where Jesus will extend an invitation to all, knowing that only some will respond. It's kind of like when we send out a wedding invitation. You all know wedding invitations. We're all excited. We're getting married. And we pick out the perfect invitation and the font and all of the calligraphy. And uh, it's just so beautiful. And we send them out. And we think everyone who receives the invitation is as excited as we are. <laughs> Some are, right? Some receive the invitation and they're like, oh my gosh, they're getting married. Oh, it's so exciting. Others receive it and they're like, ah, this is going to cost me. I don't know. Do we have anything else going on that day? We got to get him a gift. And then some won't even open the invitation. I was asked this week, Chris, do you actually believe, do you believe that every person who has been hearing this series of messages, whether in person or online, is really going to get in the boat with Jesus. Do you actually believe that? And my response is, I hope so. I hope we all do. I hope we all do decide to say, yes, I'm going to own my spiritual life. I am going to get in the boat with Jesus. I am going to sell out. Wouldn't that be great if it's, as a church we all decided to do that together? Like, we're going to get in the boat together. But I do believe that there is the all-sum principle at work. Luke 9, verse 23, if anyone, in verse 23 says, And he said to all, verse 23, And he said to all, who is he speaking to? To everyone who was gathered there. The invitation is going to go out to all. Only some are going to respond. And it's very much like here on a Sunday morning or when the message goes out, however it goes out, all will hear it. But only some will respond. Only some will respond. And this morning, the, the invitation is a costly one. This is not the, the glossy, trifold, timeshare Christianity that at times we are, we are being presented with. This is not an invitation to go on vacation with Jesus. This is, in fact, an invitation to die. And he said to all... If any would come after me, that is, if anyone desires to follow Jesus, if you want to get in the boat with Jesus, you got to first count the cost. Because it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you, you. 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. This is to to lay down our life on the altar of God and surrender. But this is problematic for our rebellious heart. Surrender is the most unnatural of things. This is to surrender my rights and wants and really the ownership of my life. It is literally to take out the keys to my kingdom and to turn them over. To surrender my life to Jesus and his kingdom. And it's not just turning it all over. Jesus then starts talking about a cross. And not just a cross that we wear around our necks or some piece of jewelry, but like a cross we carry. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. How often? Every day? And follow me. Now, taking up a cross has become kind of a common uh, euphemism, right? Like, oh, I'm just taking up my cross. I'm just carrying my cross. And it can refer to all kinds of things like difficulties uh, or maybe a little bit of a hardship or trial, like maybe difficulties in marriage. Yeah, I'm married to this person. I'm just taking up my cross. <laughs> Traffic on the highway. Oh, I'm just bearing my cross. Indigestion. Oh, I'm just bearing my cross. Sometimes it's like a funny thing, like, I'm just so beautiful, just my cross to bear. But what is Jesus talking about? And the question is, what would the original audience have heard? Because they were all very familiar with Roman crosses and crucifixion. They had all seen it. A criminal would be led through the streets with a cross beam on their back to the jeers and the laughter and the mocking and the cursing and the spitting of the bystanders. As they stumbled along, they would then be affixed to the vertical beam with heavy nails driven through fists and feet. To be lifted up to a slow and agonizing death. And somehow, Jesus is calling his followers to take up their cross and to follow Jesus. I do want to preface this by saying, Jesus will never call us to do what he is not first willing to do. When he tells us to take up our cross, we always got to remember he took up our cross. Following Jesus is the way of the cross. It is a symbol of suffering, but it is also the means of our salvation. And it speaks individually here. You'll notice it says take up his cross, that each person, each of us as followers has a unique experience. There is a unique cost that is to you before you and the Lord that that is for you to carry and to give. My cross is not your cross. 
Your cross is not my cross, but the cost is the same. It is the willingness to lay my life down that the Lord prayed three times that the cup of suffering would pass from him each time, though, praying not my will, but your will be done. Taking up a cross is the willingness to give up what I want for what God wills. Taking up a cross is the willingness to give up what I want for what God wills. I may want success, but God may call me to suffering. I may want wealth, but God, he may call me to poverty. I may want pleasure, but God may call me to pain. I may want safety and security, but God may cast me out upon the open seas. I may want to win, but God may call me to lose. I may want the easy road. I mean, I want the easy road. Who doesn't want the easy road? The easy road sounds good, but God may call me and us to the most difficult road we have ever walked. There is a cost for following Jesus, and in contemporary Christianity, we have such a low threshold for pain. We get like a a little spiritual sliver, and we're like, I'm out. We do not give until it hurts, or serve until our hands are calloused. We are inclined to give more energy and vitality to our recreation and entertainment than our service to Jesus or his church. We are inclined to give far more of our life to our careers than our God-given callings. Instead of dying to self, We live to self and then on the back end ask God to bless it. I mean, it's crazy. Ephesians 2 verse 10 tells us that there are good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But we pass up those good works for these lesser works. We have been tasked with building the kingdom of God. Yet we bust out our Lincoln logs and we try to construct our own little kingdoms. True Christian life is costly. That's the normal Christian life. That's not the extreme Christian life. You know, everything's extreme today, like, oh, those chips, regular chips, and there's extreme chips, and we're like, well, that's just regular Christianity, and there's extreme Christianity. Those are those Jesus people, those Jesus freaks, those are the extreme ones. No, that's just normal. That's the normal Christian life. What is often called the Christian life in North America is abnormal, disfigured, counterfeit. Taking up a cross with no cost is not the Christian life. And many will refuse to pay the actual cost, not realizing in the end it will cost way more. Luke chapter 9, verse 24, for whoever would save his or her life, I refuse to lay my life down. 
I'm going to live for myself, will in the end what? Have their life slip through their fingers like trying to grasp oil with the hand. But whoever loses their life for my sake will what? Save it. Then when we lay our life down and entrust our life to Christ, it will be a saving decision. And what's fascinating to me and what's crazy is that we all have an insane level of spiritually sick self-preservation at work. I'm going to say that again because all those S's. You know, I worked on that statement. We all have an insane level of spiritually sick self-preservation at work in our lives. And, and here's what I mean by that. We can literally be living ourselves to death right now. And we cling to it. We can be eating ourselves to death or drinking ourselves to death or relationshiping ourselves to death. We can shop ourselves to death and pill ourselves to death. We can unforgiveness and resentment and anger ourselves to death. The very life that we are clinging to right now may be the actual life that's killing us. But still many refuse to follow. I'll save myself. I'll do it all by myself, like spiritual toddlers, you know? Here's, I want you just to try this on for a, for a second, how insane that sounds. We who struggle to stay on keto for more than a week are somehow going to pass up the spiritual bread of life, Christ, who when we eat of him, we will be spiritually satisfied from life for life. And we're like, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll take care of my own salvation. We who struggle to conquer our allergies are somehow in and of ourselves going to conquer sin and death. We who are faced daily with our imperfections are somehow going to live a perfect enough life or a good enough life to somehow meet God's perfect standard. We who struggle to pay our bills are somehow going to pay for our eternities. Spiritually bankrupt, sick, and broke is where we are spiritually apart from Jesus. We can literally be living ourselves to death right now. I'll do it all by myself. Well, then Jesus brings up what I will call the prophet loss paradox. The prophet loss paradox. Verse 25. It's a question, and it's one that is assuming an answer. What does it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world but lose what? Himself, herself, themselves, their soul, their life. What, what does it profit? What's the simple answer? Nothing. I want you to see the prophet lost paradox at work, right? Like these are the things that we chase. 
Like, this is, this is the, what the world says. This is what will satisfy. We chase this, and this is what the world offers us, right? Like, education and a good career and successful and family and famous and wealthy and prosperous and respected. And we could just go all the way down. All of the things that are being listed, all the things we're being sold and marketed to death. And all you got to do is buy and sign here and put yourself in this and, and give yourself to that. And this is going to complete you. This is going to make you whole. And we're trusting ourselves to a world that has a stammering answer for what exists beyond our final. <clears throat> and in the end, can you bring that back up? We may gain all of that. I mean, that list may go all the way down, stretch out that door, go around the block, come back and around. We may gain all of that, but in the end, still lose that. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And the most troubling part about this is we often think about this and talk about it like it's someone else. Oh, those are those pagans out there. They're the ones with the problem. We're fine, upstanding Christians. Not like those people. Really? Because I don't know if there's a discernible difference. You know, what, what seems like in average, everyday North American Christianity, we're kind of encouraged to remain married to the world, only to have like a secret fling on the side with Jesus. And I know that sounds crass, but it's kind of true. We like marry ourselves to the world. And we're like, okay, Jesus, but you and I, we, we still have this little thing going. We kind of keep him on the side, you know, for when we want or need him. The next verse should chill our spiritual blood. For whoever is ashamed of me, and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. That is whoever is ashamed, that is whoever is embarrassed to be seen with him. Whoever is ashamed of his teachings, you really believe that? No, no, I, I don't really believe that. Where were you on Sunday? Um... I hop. <laughs> Whoever is not wanting to be associated with Jesus, I mean, he knows my heart. And I'm not talking about those times where, like the disciples, we get really scared and we operate in fear. And in those moments, we're like, oh, no, 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 I don't know him only to come back as, as Jesus restores us in grace and we fall down and we tell him, Lord, I do love you. I will follow you. I'm talking about living a life that is ashamed of Jesus. Which we are told then Jesus will be ashamed of us in the kingdom to come. I'm reminded of the words of those, of those folks that are like, Lord, Lord, 
Hey, you're in your glory. That's great. Look at all we did for you. To which the Lord responds, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Claiming to know me, you live for self. You never surrendered. You never laid your life down. Is following Jesus costly? Not really. I mean, it just costs us everything. But the question we have to ask now is, is it worth it? Is following Jesus worth it? Is it worth getting in the boat with him? Look at verse 27. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here or even sitting here how would that be? Who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And in the very next section of Scripture, in Luke chapter 9, eight days later, Jesus takes with him Peter, James, and John up the hill called Transfiguration, and he peels back and reveals just a little bit of his glory. They get just a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Oh, and when we see the kingdom of God and Jesus in his glory, it will be worth it all. We will consider it light and momentary, the suffering. Whatever cost we have paid in this, this life, whatever we have given up to follow Christ, what we gain is so much more. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure where? Heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. Whatever we give up in this life, compared to what we receive, well, there is no comparison. And so as we, we close out this morning, I want to give us some spiritual recommendations. What are you going to apply this week? We had our hands open. What is it that the Lord is, is placing within your hands this week? What is your next step? First, the cost. Is following Jesus costly? <laughs> no. Not really. It just costs us what? That's it. That's it. It just costs us everything. Us Christians can get really cozy in this world. Eh, I got my relationship with Jesus. And go to a little Bible study. My little spiritual slippers. My spiritual golden retriever. It's good. The early disciples gave up everything to follow Jesus, and that was normal. 
It sounded crazy town, right? Like they gave up their businesses, their plans, their lives as they knew them to follow Jesus. It just made sense. I remember people asking me when I first became a believer, I gave my life to Jesus. They're like, wait, wait, wait. You're really going to follow Jesus? You're going to become one of those? That sounds crazy. And then when, when my wife and I were getting married, we were all of 19 and 22, and we had no money, no place to live, no job, no prospects, and we're like, we're just going to trust Jesus. Which, by the way, if any of my sons ever came to me like that, I probably want to hit him with a hammer. I'm just saying. <laughs> but at the time, a spiritual hammer. I'd be like, you're, you're not thinking clearly. But at the time, it made all the sense in the world. Because that's what the Lord was calling us to. And when the Lord called us to leave San Diego and pack everything up that we didn't give away in a $500 pickup and an old Pontiac with a cat that was like, meh, 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 for 1,500 miles. That's why he rode with Madeline. So we drove <laughs> to Dallas to live in a, a, an apartment we rented online to attend a school that we, didn't, we never even visited and, and had no money for tuition. And, and we had one job, and, but we had enough money to make it a month. And people were like, that's crazy. And we were like, we're just following Jesus. And then when the Lord called me to start a little landscape business with that same $500 pickup truck, and I had like a push broom and a little residential mower and a dream, and we were just going to have a business that was somehow going to provide for us. People were like, that sounds crazy. And then when, then when the Lord opened this door and, and this church said, hey, will you come and will you be our pastor? And oh, by the way, the senior pastor's leaving, the worship leader's leaving, the facility's being sold. We have nowhere to meet. We have no prospects for the future. And oh yeah, by the way, you've never been a pastor before? And people were like, that sounds crazy. And I was like, And now 11 years later, I'm like, that was really actually crazy. <laughs> Look, if we're not doing things that are occasionally just a little bit crazy, just a little bit radical, just a little bit costly, man, we're clinging way too tight to this life. And I don't think tightly enough to his. What was the application on Sunday? Well, Pastor Chris said, leave and get crazy. <laughs> he said some crazy stuff. Now, by the way, I'm just going to point this out. Some of our decisions are just flat out crazy. There are times where people will be making these decisions and they're all rooted in something like fear or whatever and it makes all the sense in the world. Look, if everyone around you, like sound wisdom, counselors, everyone, people, like there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. There are some times where we just are making bad decisions. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the stuff we know the Lord is calling us to and we're scared to give up whatever we're clinging to. And this thing has become more important than our calling. 
Secondly, the profit loss paradox. Jesus extends an invitation to all people. He offers you true life. Jesus is offering you true life this morning. But you may be sitting there going, you know what? The cost is too high. I, I, I'm being called to surrender my life. No way. And here's the thing. I just want to say this. No one can make the decision for you. No one else is responsible for the spiritual decisions you make. No one. Please stop blaming your spiritual decisions on something like a crappy Christian upbringing. Stop blaming that pastor that failed you. Or that church. Or those hypocrites. Or that religious course you took in college. Or that Google search that you made that somehow now you know everything there is to know about Christianity. Stop making excuses. Because we were invited to begin the spiritual life right where we're at. Following Jesus was right where we got. And he's calling us to follow him and we have a decision to make. Will we get in the boat with Jesus or will we not get in the boat with Jesus? So the question is this morning, are you going to get in the boat with Jesus? Are you ready to get in the boat with Jesus? To follow him? My prayer is, yes. And then finally, is it worth it? Y'all, is following Jesus worth it? Is it worth it? Has the Lord Jesus given you more in this life as you follow him than what you had beforehand? Has the Lord given you good things? Have you experienced the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? And do we have a hope that stretches even beyond what may be suffering in this life? The kingdom, man, it's worth it. Whatever we give up in this life compared to what we receive, whew, it's going to be good. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, I'm reminded of of the disciples talking about what they had given up to follow you, and you told them oh, how much more they're going to receive in the kingdom, how much more they're going to receive. But Lord, we get blinded by what we see here, and we think the more that you're going to give us is more of this world and the more of this earth. And maybe, just maybe, those are the things that are driving us away from you, and if you gave us everything that this world has to offer, you may never get us back. And so, Lord, please, whatever is keeping us from you, whatever is keeping us from following you, whatever it is that is this, this thing, this, this idol, or these, these doubts, or these questions, or whatever it is that's keeping us from just saying, yes, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were buried, and I believe, Jesus, you have risen from the dead. Please, Jesus, save my life. I surrender my life to you. For Jesus, you are either everything in my life or you are nothing. I give you my life.
If that is where you're at this morning, tell him in the quietness of your heart, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. If you're recommitting your life to Jesus this morning, tell him, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. And if you're sitting here this morning or you're listening and you're going, you know what, I'm not giving up my life. Then I pray, I pray for you that you will come to realize that that very thing you're clinging to may be the very thing that's killing you. Jesus offers you life, forgiveness, eternal life. You are invited. Lord, we thank you for your grace in our life. May we live a life this week that honors you. May we not be ashamed of you or embarrassed to be seen with you. But may we take you everywhere we go. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all, let's stand together and stretch. Give to the Lord a wave offering. If you have brought your offering, please feel free to drop that in the offering boxes. Wasn't that good? Hey, the boat's gone, by the way, next week. I know. You know what I was wanting to do? I was wanting to put it on wheels and, like, ride it out of here. Kinda, but Madeline said that would be a bad idea. She's a smarty. <laughs> so next week the boat is gone, but it's going to be a stage full of love. Don't forget, Love Sunday next week. It's going to be so, so good. Yeah. Well, now go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Till we meet again, same time, same place next week. Don't forget, you are loved. Now let's carry that love outside these doors to the rest of the world. Have a great Sunday. And go, Chiefs. Tampa Bay. Enjoy.